we are in a battle. Uh, and I'm not talking just a physical war. Yes, we're in Afghanistan still, in Iraq and all those. A lot of times we forget we're still at war, uh, technically, uh, with those countries. But as believers, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in a battle. All right, and, and we've been talking about that in this series, I Sin. And we talked, uh, we've been talking about Satan, uh, which I don't really care to talk about Satan. I don't want to give uh, that creature anything uh, but at all. But, you know, the reality is uh, any soldier that goes into battle, they have to know and understand the enemy. They have to understand the enemy. Uh, a good soldier, a good tactician has to know how the enemy thinks, how the enemy acts what the enemy is most likely to do, and so you have to be uh, a tactician. And I found books uh, there at the house on tactics and army tactics and all sorts of things because that's what you study uh, to be a good soldier. And, and so just to refresh your memory about our enemy, Satan, he is very, very powerful. Now, you have to remember he's a creature, so he's created. He is never going to be better than God because he's a created being. God is not created. Uh, God is self-existent. But Satan, nonetheless, is powerful. He's an angel. Angels uh, are very powerful beings. They are far more intelligent than we are, okay? You can't outfox Satan. Uh, he is very, very intelligent as an angel. He's very quick as an angel. Obviously, angels can go great distances quickly. Now, he's not everywhere at once because uh, that's only an attribute that God has, so he is limited to time and space, but he's very able to quickly travel from place to place. And not only that, but Satan has an army, okay? And a third of the angels fell from heaven. We call them demons. Uh, and, and, it, and it looks, as we were going through Ephesians, we talked about that a few weeks ago, he has his own army, and he apparently has those who are in different points of leadership, of course, these demons. And so they go out to do his work in the world. And you need to understand that Satan is very cunning. Sin originated with Satan, okay? He understands sin, all right? He knows sin very well. And, and Satan knows how to make sin look really good, all right? He knows how to do that. And Satan knows how to entice people to sin. He knows your weaknesses, okay? He's, remember this, y'all. He, you know, it's a little southern there. He's been at this for millennial, millennium. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to entice you. And in fact, this may sound like conspiracy theory, but it's not. He knows how to embed people. Now, now again, there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that Satan is the puppet master, but they are doing the bidding of Satan. And, and they are out there standing in the way of God's work going forward and things like that. Oh, there's Bob the Baptist. I don't know why that happened there. Okay, I guess he was still showing up. Go ahead and throw him up there. All right, it just, it just, see that Satan, he just blew my whole opening, but there he is in the baptistry. <clears throat> okay, all right, we got that out of the way. That was a good picture. All right, a glamour shot. <clears throat> but Satan knows how to embed people. He knows how, how to do those things. And, and, but I want to remind you of this, believers. Our enemy is not people. Paul said that. It's not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. Now, Satan works behind the scenes. He works behind the scenes of the political system. He works behind the scenes of the educational system. He works behind the scenes of the entertainment industry. He works behind the scenes of the religious system. And, and a lot of people in these things, religious, political, education, whatever, there's a lot of people who are doing his bidding that don't realize it. But this is how good he is. 
He's very good. He's very cunning. And, and there's a lot of people in, in the religious, and even religious world, quite frankly. Uh, I heard about a, a guy that went to a, a divinity school up in Boston. And, and, and he talked about the fact that the professor at the divinity school did not believe in the existence of God. And the professor asked the ministerial students, how many of you believe God exists? And only half said yes. Half of them didn't even believe God exists. He works in the religious system. There's a lot of people who don't even believe God exists. A lot of pastors don't even believe Satan exists for that matter. Okay, the, the, it, he works through the, the political system, the education system, the religious system. And again, Satan's goal, his goal is he wants to be worshipped as God. He wants to overthrow God. He wants to be on God's throne. And he's going to do everything he can. And he's going to try and lead people away from God. He, he's, going to, he's going to blind people from the truth, as many people as he can. He works to derail believers. He works to destroy the church. He works to destroy the testimony of believers. <clears throat> and you know, you may feel that Satan's winning. I mean, culturally, you look at our culture, it seems like we are moving away from God at a breakneck speed. We've taken God out of our schools. We're moving away from God's word as our final authority. It's happening. You, 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 you see him at work in our songs. You listen to the popular songs today. And rap music's filled with profanity, violence, sex. Pop music filled with lyrics that often glorify or promote sin. Movies. Filled with violence, profanity, sex, the internet, one click of the mouse, and you can be into a totally dark world <clears throat> on the internet. In fact, extramarital affairs are skyrocketing in this country due to social media, things like Facebook and things like that. People are hooking up online and then in, in real life outside of that. Educationally, Satan, it seems like Satan is winning at that. Uh, recently, I did a series of my uh, weight loss classes at a high school, and I was actually in the biology classroom where I was holding the classes, and I looked on the backboard, and everything was evolution, evolution, evolution. I saw nothing up there about creationism. <clears throat> Elite, you know, not, it was all just all these things about evolution, evolution. Uh, recently, I, I listened to a, he's not a believer, but... Um, He's a millennial, he's a conservative podcaster, and he was talking about the fact that one college he was invited to speak at, uh, the students there, uh, I, I guess a conservative union, had asked him to come in and speak at the college, and he was told by the leadership of the college, if you step one foot on our campus, we're going to have you arrested. Now, it was a private school, so they could do that. So he had to go speak at another venue. Satan is at work. Somebody once said this, let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Think about that. Let me make the songs of a nation, I care not who makes its laws. Because Satan knows if he can change culture through entertainment, through, through uh, all those things, that he can affect culture. Now, and you may feel like that. You look, you watch your TV, you turn on the TV, you listen to the radio, they get on the internet, and it just seems like Satan is winning. And maybe in your own life, personally, you feel like Satan is winning. You've got 
maybe this habitual sin that you keep struggling with, and it just seems like you keep falling and falling and falling. And maybe you've gotten to the place where you just start making excuses. This is just the way I am. I just can't help it, and stuff like that. And you start making excuses for your sin, or you say, I just can't say no, or you say, everybody's doing it, so I'm just going to join in. And maybe you're at that point in your life where you just feel like Satan has won. I sin. I just can't help it. And maybe you feel that Satan has won culturally. He has won personally. Why do we lose those spiritual battles? How, how do we win the battle? Because we're in a battle. Memorial Day, we're thinking about those who have lost their lives in battle. And we as believers are in a battle. How do we fight effectively against the enemy? How do we do this? Well... I've never been in the military. Honestly, I kind of regret that now. I wish I had gone into boot camp out of high school. My uh, nephew is getting ready to go in in a few weeks to boot camp to be in the Air Force. And uh, my brother-in-law was in the Air Force. And um, I wish I had done that. But I don't know a whole lot because I've never been there. But I do know this. Before a soldier goes into the battlefield, he or she goes through boot camp. All right, how many of you all been through boot camp? All right, a lot of boot camp people here. I've watched some stuff on the internet. It looks pretty easy. I mean, I was watching just a brief video, um, and as soon as the recruits get off the bus, they started yelling at them. You sissy, what are you doing here? What? You know, I mean, they just... And, and again, the reason for boot camp, a lot of y'all are shaking your head. I hope I'm right. They, they need to change you from civilian to soldier. <clears throat> and they've got to train you physically. So you're going to run long miles, get up in the middle of the night, run obstacle courses, get under the bob wire, do all those things, and they're going to mentally train you to be a soldier. And in fact, I think what they do is they break you down. They want to break you, and then they'll build you back. And that's what they do, because you've got to be ready to take orders. And they don't need an 18-year-old saying, I'm not going to go on that hill. No, nope. when the commander says charge the hill, you charge the hill. And they have to train you mentally to do that. They have to train you how to do the weapons. Let me ask you, when you are a soldier, who does the training? The army, right? Who issues you the weapons? The army or the navy or whatever. They're the ones that issue the weapons. Well, I want you to turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. We're just going to hammer this because I think this is so important and we're not going to get through it all this week, so don't worry. We're just going to get started this week. But Paul says, because we are in a battle, He's talking to believers, and he says, Rob, can you clear that screen, please? He says, put on, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. So he's talking to believers, and he's saying, okay, believers, you need to put on the full armor of God. So I just want to give you a simple statement for today. To win the battles, we're talking spiritual battles, you have to put on the armor. You have to put on the full armor of God. And we're going to start talking about that. So, but I want to make something clear as we start off. Let me ask you a question. Whose armor do you have to put on? God's. Put on the full armor of God. L- listen, wh- wh- why is that important? Because the reason you put on the armor of God is because you are fighting in a spiritual realm. 
This is not a flesh and blood fight. This is not armor you can devise. This is armor that God issues to you. Here's what he says, verse 12. For our battle, spiritual battle here, talking to believers, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Your armor is issued to you by God because you're doing a spiritual battle. Now, here's the question. How how does this work? Because I know we're talking spiritual. I mean, I'm a very tactile person. I'm just one of those people. I have to do it. That's how I learn. I do things. Some of you are oral. Some of you are visual. I'm very much a tactile person, which means I learn probably slower and I make a lot of mistakes, but I have to do it to really learn it. Okay? So when we start talking about this spiritual battle, it's like, what does that look like? What, what, what are we talking about? Well, here, here's, let, let's talk about it. Here's where Satan attacks. Satan attacks your heart's affection. He attacks what you love. He's trying to get you to love the things of the world. Satan attacks your mind. He's trying to get your mind's attention on things that are against God. And Satan's goal is to get your will, get you to obey him, to exercise your will, and to choose to reject God's way and to choose Satan's way. So Satan works at trying to influence your heart to get you to fall in love with sin. Satan works in your mind to get you to be attentive to sin because you desire it. And Satan gets, tries to get you to desire then to go forward and obey that sin. Listen, before you and I commit a sin, it starts in our mind and in our heart. We start thinking about it. We fall in love with it. And then we go out and we commit it, okay? And let me just be honest with you. And you all may not like this saying, but look, sin is fun. I'm just being honest. Sin is fun. And as one preacher said, if you aren't having fun when you sin, you ain't doing it right. I mean, there, there is fun in sin. All right? Because if it wasn't no fun, nobody would be sinning. So Satan says, hey, look how much fun that is. Hey, look how happy those people are who are living that way. Oh, don't you want that? And then we start saying, yes. If we don't have the armor on, we start saying, yeah, I think that's interesting. So remember, this battle here we're talking is a battle for the heart. It's a battle for the mind. It's a battle that results in how the will is going to act. And so that's where the battle starts. It starts with those unseen thoughts of the mind. It starts with those unseen desires of the heart. And then it results in those seen actions by our will when we carry it out. This is where the battle is. So the reason I want to say that is because this is a spiritual battle. Therefore, you need spiritual armor. And the only one who can give you that armor is God. It is He that issues you the armor. All right? He is the armor. He is the one you. you cannot fight this battle on your own. You cannot do this. There is no worldly weapon you can craft that's going to fight this spiritual battle. So I want you to remember, and, and as believers, that the armor that you are to put on is. Gods. Now, when a soldier today, and today, now in Paul's day, he was referring to Romans and how they wore, but in today, our, if you look at our soldiers, they, they dress differently. Our soldiers don't go into battle with these big armored suits on. All right? Uh, thank the Lord, due to technology, they wear Kevlar. 
jackets which are bullet resistant and, and things like that. They have helmets that they go into it. But every soldier in the army, when they go into battle, they are given their armor, quote unquote, today, to go out there and fight the battle, okay? Because they want that soldier to be protected in the war. So when God says, okay, believer, you are now in a battle. I mean, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're in the battle. And one of the things that God says is, I have this suit of armor for you. I have this spiritual armor for you. And here's what Paul says, verse 13. This is why, because we're in this spiritual battle, this is why you must. He doesn't say you ought to maybe think about it. He says you must take up some of the armor of God. He says take up the full armor of God. Why? So that you can resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. So Paul gives us a command, believer, put on the full armor of God. He gave us that command in verse 11. He says to put on that full armor of God. Why? Because to win the battles, you and I have to put on the form of God. Why do we put it on? Well, Paul says here in verse 13, so that you can resist in the evil day. Again, that's the evil days when Satan comes knocking at your heart. Oh, doesn't that look so enticing? Oh, don't you want to think about that? When that starts happening, Paul says, you need to put that armor on. You need to have that armor on so that you can resist. And that word literally means to fight back with the same amount of opposition. So when Satan comes at you with 50 pounds, you can fight back with 50 pounds. When Satan hits you with a fist, you can hit him back with the armor of God, with God doing that. It, it means to fight back with the same amount of power. And Paul says the reason you need to take God's armor is not only so you can resist, but you also look so you can take your stand. And in fact, if you look in this passage, that word stand is written three times. If you go to verse 11, Paul says, put on the form of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Verse 13, this is why you must take up the form of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Verse 14, stand. Do you get the, the idea of resilience? Standing? You know, when we were watching that video just a few moments ago, I was, it just hit me, one of the soldiers, I think he was playing the, uh, the taps, and he was rigid and that conveys that thing of strength power soldier this is the same idea stand don't be a wimpy christian you've been given the full armor of god don't be a defeated christian you see if you're a defeated christian if you're saying yes i know i'm a christ follower but i just can't seem to then you've not taken the armor up that's the bottom line you, you, you take the armor so you can stand, so you can resist. If you're like, I just can't win over that, you, then you haven't taken the armor. That's why you keep losing. And again, Paul says that. And again, no soldier goes to the battle without taking their armor, with putting, without putting the Kevlar on it, without putting the helmet on and things like that. And again, if, if the Allied troops on D-Day had had the idea of, 
well, I just don't know if we can take that. I don't know if we can get Normandy. I'm just not so sure. Would we have ever stormed the beaches of Normandy? No. They opened those boats. The machine guns are firing. It was horrible. But those guys charged. A lot of them didn't make it to the shore, but they kept charging. They kept coming. They kept charging. They kept coming. And we won and took those beaches of Normandy. If we hadn't have done that, we ain't maybe all be speaking German right now. And I'm not very good at German. All right? But our soldiers believed they could do it. And we have to have that same attitude. You know, you may have seen uh, war movies where people get into the fight. And I cannot, some of you all in here, I know, because you've told me, have been in war. And you have, I, I, I have utmost respect for you. And I know that you can tell me, though, that you've also known people in war just froze. They get in the foxhole. They don't want to get out. The bullets are whizzing by. They're afraid if they take their stand, they're going to get killed. And you know, when that soldier sits in that foxhole and they're afraid to get out, it starts affecting the other soldiers. And the other soldiers start getting fearful and stuff like that. It takes somebody to say, no, we're going to charge. We got to get the enemy to run out of that foxhole. And there's a lot of Christians, I'm afraid, who are sitting in the foxhole. The bullets are whizzing by, and I'm just afraid. Look, Paul says, don't be that way. You've been given by God, because this is a spiritual war you're in, you've been given by him the armor so that you can resist with the same amount of power back and you can stand against the devil. Because if the devil can convince you that you can't fight back, then he wins. If the devil can convince you that that sin is more powerful than God, Christ in you, he wins. And again, the scriptural command is to stand and to resist. Now again, if you don't have the full armor on, you're not ready. And in fact, you'll notice that. Paul says here, you as a believer, put it on. Now, what does that mean? Well, I envision it like this. When you become a believer, God says, here's your armor. Put it on. That's what it means. You've got to put it on. It's there. It's there. You just have to put it on. Start exercising the armor. Because if you don't put it on, you're going to lose the battle. Now, let me ask you this. When does a soldier put the armor on? Before the battle or after? Before. Duh. Right? Well, again, as you look at the text, Paul says you need to, so that you can be prepared. Having prepared, you can take your stand. You see, a lot of times as believers, the reason we fail is we try to put the armor on after the battle. I heard this acronym years ago, and it has really stuck with me. You might want to write down, it's HALT. HALT. Because I want to tell you when Satan comes after you, and if you're not prepared beforehand, if you don't have the armor on, you're possibly, probably going to fall for that sin and that scheme of Satan unless you halt. Here's when we are most vulnerable. And you need to make sure that you're prepared and have your armor on. Number one, H, hungry. When you're hungry, and it can be hungry for anything, not just food. Hungry for attention, hungry for whatever. That's when Satan says, I'm going to move in. If you're not prepared, he's going to hit you. If you're not ready to stand, you could easily fall. A, angry. When we're angry, 
Satan tries to make a move. He tries to capitalize on that anger. And he tries to get you to go into sin. Paul said, in your anger, do not sin. But that's an area. L, lonely. When you're lonely, that's where Satan tries to come in. In those moments when you're by yourself, that's where he starts tempting. He starts dangling the temptation. You've got to be prepared. And the T is tired. Tired. When you're physically tired, emotionally tired, even spiritually tired, that's when Satan tries to come in. Halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are the moments when he really tries to attack you in your heart to get your heart's affection away from God, when he tries to attack your mind to get you to think on those things that are not of God, and when he tries to entice you to do things through your will to exercise free will against God and do things against God. So again, Apostle Paul says, look, you need to put on the whole armor of God. Stand with that whole armor of God. Now, we're not going to get into all the armor today. I just want to start with first one right today. Stand, Paul says, with the truth like a belt around your waist. We'll just stop with that one right now. Stand, therefore, with the truth like a belt around your waist. Now, again... Let's look at the rest of it. With righteousness, like armor on your chest, with your feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And in every situation, take up the shield of faith. And with it, you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, by the way, that is your only offensive weapon. We're going to talk about that one in a second. Pray. And I think this is part of the armor. Pray at all times in the Spirit. With every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Again, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 10.4 that our battle or warfare is not fleshly. This is a spiritual battle. And to win the battle, you have to put on the whole armor of God. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. And Paul would have seen Roman soldiers go by all the time. He, he was a Roman citizen. He was very familiar with Rome, obviously. He was in the Roman Empire, the greatest empire at that time. And so he was very familiar. And, and so as Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I imagine he looked at a soldier that may have, he may have been chained to at that time or maybe outside of the cell or whatever. And he starts looking at the soldier's gear and he starts writing that here and putting the spiritual implications. So let's go back to the first part of verse 14. Stand with truth like a belt around your waist. Now, <clears throat> trick question. What does a belt do? Holds up your pants. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> it holds up your pants. It keeps your clothes on. Now, if a soldier doesn't put a belt on, they're going to be going in battle trying to keep their pants up. Well, they fight. You want to have that belt on so you can keep your clothes on so nobody sees your polka-dotted boxer shorts, right? You want to be able to focus on the fight. And so a soldier has the belt on, okay? And, and again, if you don't have the belt on, the rest of the stuff isn't going to work properly either. So you've got to make sure you've got your belt on. Now, Paul calls this belt... So he's looking at a Roman soldier, he sees this belt, and he sees this on a spiritual plane as being the belt of truth. Satan 
does not want you and I to know the truth. He wants to get you to doubt as much as you can. For example, when he went to Adam and Eve in the garden, what was his question? Did God really say? That's how he works. And that's why you, if you're going to, the rest of the armor, I mean, for you to fight, you've got to have something holding everything up, and that be the belt, and you need to make sure that that belt is the belt of truth. Because if he can get you to doubt, then he can start pulling you away. If he can get you to doubt God's truth, if he can get you to doubt whether God's going to judge sin, if he can get you to doubt whether God actually loves you, uh, because maybe you said, oh, I've just messed up too many times. I don't know if God really still loves me. If he can get you to doubt God's grace and mercy, if he can get you to doubt whether God's word can be trusted, if he can get you to doubt those things and not to stand on the truth, then he is starting to defeat you. So you need to have that belt of truth. And the, the belt of truth is God's truth. Here's what, here's what Paul said earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. I'll just read it. He says, In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The truth. Let me just start from the beginning of the truth. The truth is, we are all sinners. The truth is, Christ died for your sins. The truth is, there is only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. The truth is, God is the judge, not you and I. The truth is, outside of Christ, there is no salvation. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.21 that the truth is in Jesus. And God reveals his truth in his word. That's his work to us so that we see his truth marching on. We need the belt of truth. Now, the Romans, the belt they had, the belt I have is the skinny belt. The belt they had, it covered the waist, it covered the abdomen, and in some designs upward into and downward into the groin region. Now, why would they do that? Well, the belt covered those vital organs. In fact, the abdomen for a soldier in the Roman time, and even today, I imagine, was considered the most vulnerable place. Okay, you know, somebody says, you know, well, somebody's attacking, you ought to try and shoot him in the knee. As I've always been told, you try to go for mass. Easier to hit him in the chest than the knee, unless you're a really good shot, which I most, most of us wouldn't be. Okay, I mean, if a, if a person's coming to me and I have to defend myself and I had a gun, I would shoot for the chest because I'm not that good of a shot. In the Roman time, obviously, if you're in battle, the thing you're going to thrust for is the abdomen. It is the most vulnerable place. It's where your vital organs are, your kidney, your liver, your colon, all those things like that. And again, if you get a wound to the abdomen, you're probably going to start bleeding out and you're probably going to die. So the, the Roman soldiers had this wide belt to cover that abdomen area to give them added protection. That also in your abdomen area is where you process, like when you eat. It's where your food's all processed and things like that and, and, and prepared for elimination and things. The, that area in your body is where everything is filtered, where it's filtered. So when you're putting on the belt of truth, what are we saying? We're talking about filtering what we hear through truth. We're talking about processing what we hear through truth. We're talking about the vital things in life. Again, the belt of truth guides you. You see, Satan wants you, he wants you to doubt the truth. As the Bible says, thy word is truth. Satan is the father of lies. 
He is a liar. In fact, think about it when Satan tried to tempt Jesus, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. If you go back and read that Matthew chapter 4, you know what? Satan would quote scripture, but he always put a twist on it. Just a little twist. And how did Jesus always answer with scripture? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Man will not live by bread alone. Satan tries to go and get you to doubt the truth. Has God really said? Jesus said this to his disciples. If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You've got to have the truth or the rest won't work for us. You have to be ready with the truth. So how do you know the truth? How do you wear this belt of truth? Well, again, we're talking spiritual war, so you've got to know the word. Spend time reading it. Meditate on it. All right, you've got to know the word. Memorize it. Put it in your heart. Again, God will bring those things to your mind. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. When Satan comes at you, he'll bring the word to your mind if you know the word. And you can use the word to fight. And you have that belt of truth because your, your weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which Paul says is the word of God. That's where the truth is. We find the truth. So again, if you continue in my word, Jesus says, you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you know the word of God, you put the word of God in your heart and you use the word of God. Here, here Satan will say things like this. Oh, it's okay to mock that person. No, it's not. The truth is everybody's made in the image of God. Satan will say things like, oh, it's okay to kill a baby before it's born. No, it's not because we're fearfully and wonderfully made and we are created in the image of God. Satan will think like, oh, it's okay to look for pornography. No, it's not. Pornography degrades men and women who are created in God's image and it objectifies men and women who are loved by God. Satan will say things like that. It's okay to have sex before marriage. No, it's not because sex is sacred and it's supposed to be between a husband and wife in a committed relationship. That is the truth. Satan says, oh, you're just a product of evolution. No, it's not. The truth is you were creating on purpose with meaning. You're not a product of random chance. Satan says, oh, God just wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. No, God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be holy, set apart before him. Satan says, hey, if God really loves you, then you would not have problems. No, the truth is we all have problems. God wants you to grow in grace and in, in, in those problems. He wants to mature you in the midst of those problems as a believer. That is the truth. But see, this is how Satan works. Satan works. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know the truth. Remember, Jesus said this. You are of your father, the devil. And you wanted to carry out your father's desires. He, when he's speaking to Satan here. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he has not stood in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. Think about that. No truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar. And the father of lies. To win the battle, you got to put on the armor. And you got to have the truth. You got to know the truth. So here's my question to you. And we'll get into more of the armor next week. Are you putting on the armor of God? God has given you the armor suit. Are you putting it on? Do you know the truth? Are you using the truth? Are you standing by the truth. You can't be victorious if you don't know the truth. 
If you don't know the word, if you don't spend time in the word, you don't have to be this great theologian. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You just need to know what God says. Do you know the truth? And the truth will set you free. Are you putting on the armor? Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes because there may be some here today that you just feel defeated right now. And maybe you've been using this old phrase, I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. You're a saint. You're a saint. I just can't help it. Yes, you can. God's given you the armor. Put it on. Put it on. Stop walking around in defeat. Take your stand. Resist. With the same amount of force he punches you, you punch him back with the truth. It's the word of God. The sword. Fight. We are in a spiritual battle. How are you doing? Perhaps right now, you've been feeling defeated. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you just keep going back to, going back to, going back to. And you need to right now to repent. Tell the Lord, I agree with you, Father. This is wrong. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm going to take up the truth. And when Satan comes at me with this sin, I'm going to hit him back with the truth. No, I'm not going to look at that because this is the truth. No, I'm not going to say that because this is the truth. No, I'm not going to be that way towards this person because that is not acting in the truth. Father, continue to reveal your truth through your word. As believers, you've given us the armor. May we put it on. We have to put it on. Father, you've not called us to a life of defeat, but a life of victory. You are that solid rock on which we can stand. And Father, I pray that we'll be victorious in that battle. That we'll have victory in Jesus, our Savior. Father, you've given us what we need to fight with. Now, Lord, help us to take this stand. I pray, God, this week that maybe those who might be struggling and living in defeat will come back this time next Sunday and say, by God's grace, I put on the armor, stopped thinking of myself as a sinner, saw myself as a saint, stood in the truth, and by God's grace, I've been victorious through Christ living through me. Lord, I pray that this time next week that those maybe who walked in these doors today feeling defeated will come back next week feeling victorious in you because of you, because they took their stand in the truth. Father, there is no reason for us to live in defeat. I pray this week that all of us, every day, every moment, will put on the armor. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.